is going on, everybody? Welcome in to another edition of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's your boy KB coming at you. I know it's been a little bit. We didn't have anybody on for Cowboys week. I think people were too afraid to show up for the undefeated birds. Uh, so we, we missed out on a week of Eagles Enemies, which is unfortunate. It's going to bother my OCD because if the Eagles do end up going to the Super Bowl like we all expect them to... That would have been episode 100 of Eagles Enemies. Um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll make some stuff happen. Um, but this week is a very special week. It is the OG of Eagles Enemies. The original guest that started the entire show. The man, the myth, the legend. Wes Euler, my guy. Uh, it's always a blast having Wes on during Eagles Steelers week. And um, he's one of the best in the game he's he's a true friend and uh we we could chop it up for hours he and i could have our own podcast where we're just you know shooting the shit and you know laughing our asses off but we get into it about the steelers what what's going on with that team uh on the other side of the state and um what this matchup is going to look like plus a pretty interesting fact about the last time the eagles uh were defeated by the steelers in pittsburgh it's boding well for the birds. You'll find out all about that when Wes hops on the show. But before we get started, make sure you guys follow us on the socials at Underground PHI on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI. Subscribe to the podcast feed as well. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. It really helps the show continue to grow. And if you subscribe to Underground Sports Philadelphia on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your pods, that's where you get Eagles enemies each and every week. Um, so subscribe to the podcast feed. It helps the show grow. It helps more people find us, plays with the algorithms, and uh, it's it's really good for us to continue to bring you dope stuff like Eagles Enemies each and every week, especially during football season. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311 and subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel. That's where you get full video episodes of Eagles Enemies all season long, very first time. This year, 2022, is the first time we put video episodes of Eagles Enemies out. And uh, it's been a, a raging success. And uh, subscribe, smash that like button, ring the bell icon so you don't miss any episodes of any of our podcasts on YouTube or any content we're putting out. Comment down below your thoughts on Eagles Steelers, your expectations for this game, and anything in between that Wes and I discuss. Uh, but without any further ado, it is the Wes Euler Power Hour here on Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. All right, everybody, we are fresh off a of bye week, got to enjoy some Phillies playoff baseball, and uh, we are joined now by the original uh, guest of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's everybody's favorite, Yinzer, Wes Euler, joining me to talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town to talk uh, birds and Steelers. Wes, welcome back to the show. It's always fun when it's Wes Euler week. Kyle, it's always great to catch up with you, man. It's It's been a lot of fun to see kind of, you know, we we developed our friendship relationship back on the tail end when I was in Philly working at WIP and, and part of the Eagles broadcast crew. You know, now five years later, you guys have grown like crazy. Uh, I'm back in my hometown working on the Steelers side of things. I I do. I always look forward to this. Uh, what was it, two years ago when, when the Eagles came to Pittsburgh? I was like, oh, sweet, I'll get to catch up with Kyle. And then this year when the schedule came out, I was, I was waiting to hear from you this week. Uh, always, always good to link up, man. 
It's the best, and uh, you know a lot has changed since the last time you were on the show with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Talk to me about you know just the the vibe around this team. Obviously, Ben Roethlisberger retires. Mitch Trubisky comes in in free agency. Yeah. You draft Kenny Pickett. What what's the vibe like with this Steelers team and kind of like uncharted waters? We were texting earlier. You know, you had 18 years of a franchise quarterback that. You know, you didn't have to really worry about any of this for such a long time if you were a Steelers fan. Now it's kind of, you know, uncharted waters for not only Steelers fans, but for Mike Tomlin as well. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the way to put it. I mean, it is it's it's an area where Steelers fans haven't been in a long time. I mean, the Steelers haven't had a losing season since two thousand and three. Right now at two and five, it's I mean, you know, it's gonna be a heck of an uphill climb. Obviously, they've got the Eagles this weekend. I don't want to give anything away, but it they very easily could be two and six by the time Sunday night rolls around. Um, it's it's a new chapter of Steelers football, and when you have an 18 year Hall of Fame quarterback, you can get really comfortable. You can get really used to just hey, every game we're, we play, we're going to be in it here. Every season, yeah, we might not make the playoffs, we might not have the type of year we want to have, but we're going to play meaningful football down the stretch. And in December and January, the games are going to matter. We're going to have a chance at playoff spots and division titles. It's been quite the opposite this year. I mean, there's been a four-game losing streak in there. You've lost five of your last six games now. And particularly, Kyle, the, you know, the, the millennial fan base, right? The people like you and I in, the, in their 20s and their 30s that, again, the Steelers haven't been bad since we were in elementary school or middle school. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of overreactions. There's a lot of panic. There's a lot of sound the alarm. There's a lot of fire everybody. Right. <laughs> and uh, and it's just again, it is it's uncharted waters. Um, a lot of people are already talking about the draft, which, you know, never happens here in Pittsburgh in October. Um, and that's where I think the shift of this season has focused is that people have accepted like, OK, you're going to have to take a little bit of a step back here. Again, no losing season since 2003. At some point, that dam was going to break. That levee was going to break and you were going to have to use that R word right and rebuild a little bit. But now who are you going to take into the next era with you? you got 10 more games of Kenny Pickett to figure out how he can grow and develop his rookie season. You've got a lot of young offensive linemen. You've got a lot of young playmakers that are still on their rookie contracts. And you've got a, a defense that's loaded with some top-end talent but has a, a lot of question marks there and, and some of the, and some of the stop gaps as well, too. That's what these last 10 games have to be about. Who are you taking with you into the next era? If, if this is truly a reset, you know, if you've closed one chapter of Steelers history and you're starting a new one, you hope two, three, four years from now you're back to contending for division titles and Super Bowls. Who's going to be there when that happens? That's, I think, the, the onus and, and kind of the game plan here for, for these last 10 games. With Kenny Pickett, what were, what were you thinking, you know, when that pick gets made? Was it one of those things where you were, you know, optimistic about the pick? Obviously, there was all the talk about his small hands and everything, which sure, who sure. cares about hand measurements at the Combine? Uh, but what were your initial thoughts when Kenny Pickett was the guy that the Steelers ended up taking, the only quarterback taken in the first round this year? And what have you seen so far from him that, you know, kind of keeps you optimistic? And what are some things that, like, you know, he still has to really work on to really refine his game? Sure. Yeah, so I was surprised. I mean, I didn't think Kenny Pickett would go in the top five or anything like that. I also didn't think that he would fall to 20. I realized he wasn't the quarterback prospect, uh, Trevor Lawrence, or maybe even Zach Wilson, right, a, a year before. But at the same time, Kyle, we all know NFL teams, there's a handful every single year that are just thirsty for a quarterback, and they reach and they overpay. And, uh, and I thought that that would happen with Kenny Pickett. 
Um, I think the Steelers even tried to trade up around 15-16 because they thought someone might trade in front of them to draft Kenny Pickett. He obviously played for five years right next door at Pitt. The Steelers and Pitt, their practice facility is... I would say shared. I mean, it's the Steelers building, and Pitt has space there. But they practice right next to each other. They're obviously familiar with this guy. Matt Canada, the Steelers' offensive coordinator right now, was the guy who recruited him to Pitt out of New Jersey, to, you know, got him to decommit from uh, Temple and Matt Rule and, 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 and come, uh, come out here to the western part of Pennsylvania. Um, I was a little surprised that he lasted until 20. But I thought that it was smart for the Steelers because you had already signed Mitch Trubisky. You had Mason Rudolph, who a lot of people in this town don't like him, but he's a capable backup quarterback. Like He belongs on an NFL roster. Um, When they took him at 20, I thought it was smart because you didn't have to rush him. It's a new era of Steelers football. Yeah, you never want to be the guy who follows the guy. But at the same time, when you lead Pitt to their best season in 40 years, when you're a Heisman Trophy finalist, that's a, a good spot to slide into. And so I thought for the Steelers, it made a lot of sense. It did. And and they should know him again better than anybody else with five years of of being right next door to him. Uh, Obviously, in the fourth game, he comes in at halftime against the Jets. Um, So far, what's been good, Kyle, is the accuracy. He, he's an accurate passer. That was, you know, it, it, throughout the draft process, combine, pro days, everything leading up to the draft, that was always listed as his biggest strength, is that he's an accurate quarterback. And that means a lot in the National Football League. It certainly does. He has the athleticism and the mobility a little bit to pull it down and run a couple times. You saw that Sunday night in Miami. Where he still needs to work is his decision-making. Um, his arm strength is not the greatest. You can get by with that in the National Football League, and that's something that's kind of hard to coach and teach. You either have it or you don't, right? It's like your fastball. I mean, you can, you can either let it fly or you can't. But at the same time, he, his decision-making at Pitt his senior year He's got the charisma. He's got the moxie. You know, he was throwing the ball to Jordan Addison, the best wide receiver in college football, who's now at USC. They had a loaded offensive line. They had a lot of playmakers, and they played in a weak ACC. And he got away with a lot of risky throws that his tight ends were able to go up and get, that Jordan Addison was a a lot of 50-50 balls that he just had better jimmies than the other team had Joes last year at Pitt. Uh, You saw that when he went from throwing 13 touchdowns his his year before his last one to 46 his his final year at Pitt that's I mean that's an insane jump he had that confidence he had that moxie he has that leadership but you've just got to know how to dial it into the right frequency right in the NFL it's the old adage in college open is you know two or three yards in the NFL open is is a half a step um, so I think the decision-making needs to be a little bit sharper he needs to get more confident with the playbook and everything that's part of this too the one benefit of the doubt that I will give Kenny in, in, in any criticism is that the Steelers spent the entire offseason getting Mitch Trubisky ready to be QB1. All throughout training camp, all throughout preseason, Trubisky took 90%, if not more, of the first team reps. So it's not like Kenny got a ton of work with those guys. They've got a lot of new pieces on the offensive line. They brought in some new playmakers, George Pickens trying to, to figure into the offense as well, too. So there's been some good there's certainly been some bad. He's been too reckless with the football. A lot of people in Pittsburgh don't want to admit that, but that's just the truth. I'm not saying all seven interceptions are on him, but he's also thrown seven interceptions. So it's weird, and I realize I'm kind of rambling here, but I'll, I'll end with this for you. There's like two camps on Kenny Pickett amongst Steeler fans right now. The first is that he's the savior, he's the messiah, he can do no wrong, and nothing is his fault, and if, if something bad happens, it's all on Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator, and it's all on the offensive line. The other camp is... We've seen this guy for for three and a half games. He's a bust. Get him out of here. He stinks. He's thrown seven (laughs) interceptions. 
reality is somewhere in the middle. He's done some good things, some encouraging things. He's had some issues. That's what you should expect from a rookie quarterback. It's the hardest position in sports. No rookies really even come in and light it on fire. You know, Ben Roethlisberger won 15 straight games his rookie year, but that's because he had a Hall of Famer on the offensive line, a Hall of Famer in the backfield, Heinz Ward and Plexico Burris out on the sides in the best defense in football. Andrew Luck went to the AFC Championship game his rookie year, but they had one of the best run games in the National Football League. That's what the Steelers need, is they need a more complimentary offense. Um, and obviously they thought the defense would be in a better shape with you know with TJ Watt and him going down the, the first game of the season. There's been positives, there's been negatives, everything you should expect from a rookie. And that's why I think at least it's it's good that they've gone there now. You got ten more games, see if he develops, see where he's at in January, and then you can kind of build from there. And for Steelers fans, from an Eagles fan perspective, we went through the same thing with Jalen Hurts. Not saying they're the yeah. same quarterback, yeah, right, but right. you look at Jalen Hurts last year, a lot of people questioned his accuracy. A lot of people questioned if he could throw the football at the yeah. NFL level. Yeah. And one year later, people are singing his praises at the national level, calling him an MVP yeah. candidate. Yeah, I was going to so, say, he is an MVP candidate, yeah. A lot can change in a year. That's it all I'll say for, for Steelers fans. And I don't I don't want to make these comparisons because I don't think he's in this, this class of just pure talent, but... Man, Peyton Manning had a horrible rookie season. Josh Allen had a horrible rookie season. Uh, and then on the other side of that equation, Carson Wentz was going to be the best quarterback in the NFL for 15 years after his rookie season. Baker Mayfield was going to be that dude to rescue Cleveland after his rookie season. It's Again, it's the hardest position in sports. There's, there's, no, there's no position that has a leap from college to the NFL like, like uh, quarterback does. Give him these 10 games. You, you don't have to treat him with kid gloves. You don't also have to act like he's a bust off of, you know, a, a couple games here. Let these last 10 games play out, and then we'll start to make some, some real evaluations. The biggest thing you have to take away is he's not an Ohio State quarterback. <laughs> they just don't work at the NFL level. You already you have one positive going. out already, huh? <laughs> well, and, and make no mistake about it, I think that this was part of why the Steelers were so gung-ho to draft Kenny Pickett. They had to hear for 40 years how they passed on Dan Marino. Because they did. They could have drafted mm-hmm. Dan Marino. They didn't. He ended up going to the Dolphins a few picks later. They had to hear for 40 years, oh, yeah, Dan Marino, one of the best quarterbacks of all time in your backyard, and you didn't select him. I think, I think that was part of this, too. So they want to make it work with Kenny Pickett. I think they can. I don't think we'll ever look at him as a top five, you know, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow-type quarterback. But I think he can be in that next wave, you know, really good quarterback. There's, there's just, there's got to be some time there, and I know everyone likes to bring up the fact that he's 24 years old. I don't care if you're 20, if you're 24, if you're 28. You're a rookie in the National Football League. Again, let's see how it plays out. If you haven't seen improvement by January, then you could start to sound the alarm. But I think he's, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of traits um, that that you have to be encouraged by. Now the question is, can you just polish them up and and make it work within the context of you know NFL football? He's not Brandon Whedon. He is no. not Brandon Weed. He is he's, he's certainly not a forty seven year old rookie. He is not Brandon Weed and he's he's twenty four and, and if it works out, he could easily be your franchise quarterback for thirteen, fourteen, fifteen seasons. Um yeah, I don't the the age thing to me and uh, I, listen, I'm I'm the furthest from a, a Kenny Pickett apologist. I got all this WVU stuff up behind me. If you're watching here on video, you think I give a rip about Pitt? 
but it's it's just you know again we haven't haven't been here in 20 years as Steelers fans there's a lot of overreactions I think it was to be expected but there's context there and that is he's done some positives he's had some things he needs to clean up let's see where these next 10 games go talk to me about Najee Harris last year you know he bursts onto the scene he seems like he's you know, going to be one of those next big elite caliber running backs. Hasn't really taken, you know, another step forward this year so far. Uh, what's kind of been the the curious case of Najee Harris so far in 2022? Yeah, that's a uh, buddy. It is curious because all throughout OTAs and training camp, he looked like a monster. He had the body transformation that you like to see from, you know, from that freshman to sophomore year, from that rookie season to year number two. He he was given off Derrick Henry vibes. Honestly, during during OTAs and during training camp, just had the physique, had the explosiveness, uh, everything that you want from a from a number one running back in the National Football League. He picked up that Liz Frank injury there right before the season started at the end of training camp, and then I think aggravated it a little bit more in the final preseason game. And he just hasn't been the same. I will say this: he was playing with a steel plate in his cleats. I don't know if you if you saw this the first uh, couple games of the season. That's been removed, and he has been better these last two weeks I think since but still not where you need him to be I don't care if you're just doing eye tests and you're watching the games I don't care if you look at his numbers on a stat sheet he's not where you need to be he's not where they expected him to be he hasn't taken that leap forward I think at first a lot of people were pinning that on the offensive line but the offensive line has improved mightily I think over these first seven games I'm, I'm actually really impressed with what they've been able to do without a ton of talent and pedigree on that offensive line to get them to league average I'm not sitting here and saying they're great but they're not a weakness anymore like they were for the Steelers the past two years either they are a league average offensive line they are 13th 14th 15th 16th best best in the league something along those lines that should be enough for Najee Harris it hasn't been I think he's you know the the golfer who starts gripping their club a little bit too tight when they're when they're struggling, right? The the power hitter who hasn't hit a home run in a couple weeks and all of a sudden is gripping it a little too tight. I think we're seeing some of that from Najee. I think he's trying to force things a little bit. He's doing a little too much dancing when there's five, six, seven yards there to be gained, and he's trying to wait and turn it into twelve yards instead, instead of taking what the offensive line and what's been given to him there. But make no mistake, Kyle. In the offseason leading up to this year, throughout free agency, throughout the draft, the Steelers, the team that they built this year was one that was going to be elite on defense. And it was week one until T.J. Watt went out. I mean, they had five turnovers forced and seven sacks against Cincinnati in, in week one. An elite defense with T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and Micah Fitzpatrick and Miles Jack and some of these guys, right? And an offense that could manage the game, not turn the ball over, run the football, keep their defense rested, and you win games 24-20. to 20. You know, that's how the Steelers were built this season. And when T.J. Watt goes down game one, when Minka Fitzpatrick's missed some time, and when Najee Harris and the run game are non-existent for the most part through seven weeks, that's or through eight, uh, through seven weeks, that's how you get to two and five. I mean, that that's where the Steelers are at right now. And I'm not putting all that blame on Najee, but again, a big part of what they wanted to do this year was lean on him, was make him that guy. You know, have him be Nick Chubb-esque, where it's it's a steady dose of your run game, and then boom, we hit you with some play action for for a deep ball down the field, like the Browns have done when they've they've been at their ba- their best here in the last couple of years. Same type of thing the Titans do with Derrick Henry, right? Uh, maybe with a little bit of what the Giants have done with Saquon at times this season. That's what the Steelers were built to do, along with the most expensive defense in the NFL that had some real studs in the reigning defensive player of the year uh, there as well, too. That has not transpired, and, and that's a big part of the reason why, again, the four-game losing streak and that they've lost five of their last six games. 
and you look at a struggle, you know, if you don't have a quote unquote competent running game, it's going to affect a rookie quarterback 100%. mightily. 100%. So, you know, that adds into look, why Kenny Pickett has had some struggles as well. You look at all the rookies that come in and hit the ground running and have success. I, I, I hearken back to Ben Roethlisberger and Andrew Luck. We saw it with Carson Wentz in the, in the run tandem that the Eagles had and obviously the offensive line that's been one of the best in football now for a long time. Dak Prescott and the success that the Cowboys were able to have with that offensive line and, and Zeke Elliott when those guys were rookies. Russell Wilson coming into Seattle with Marshawn Lynch. I mean, the examples go on and on. The, the best thing you can give a rookie quarterback is a solid run game. And the Steelers have been the opposite this year. They're, they're not even league. It'd be one thing if Najee Harris was running for 70, 80 yards a game and it was at least enough to keep teams honest. But, but it's, it, it's not. They just the Teams are stacking the box against the Steelers. They aren't even worried about the middle of the field because Pittsburgh's not attacking there at all. And, and, and they're just waiting for, whether it was Mitch Trubisky, now Kenny Pickett, for them to, to take shots down the side of the field. That's where the turnovers have been generated. A lot of third and longs. You know, the Steelers, they're, they're losing first down. They're losing second down. And then all of a sudden, it's third and eight, and, and you become a predictable offense. Um, it's, it's been a lot of struggles. It's been a lot of slow starts. And, and that is, again, why the, the Steelers find themselves right now at, at two and five here and, you know, approaching the midway point of the season. And you look at this matchup for the Steelers against the Eagles with the weapons that the Steelers have on the outside. On paper, they look fantastic. Between Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, you add Pickens into the mix, Friar Muth at tight end, like those are weapons that on yeah. any team you're thinking, oh, wow, this is like championship contending. Looking at, you know, just the deficiencies that Kenny Pickett has had this year, not having that run game to kind of, you know, alleviate some of the, the rookie woes. How do you kind of view Kenny going up against this Eagles defense where oh, James Bradbury, God. Darius Slay, Avante Maddox, CJ Gardner-Johnson, and Marcus Epps have been a no-fly zone-esque Eagles secondary for the first time in a very long time? Yeah. The Eagles have that. Yeah, listen, I... Uh... Not good, all right. <laughs> because not only not only the Eagles been very good in the secondary, man, they're also they're also great at the front. I mean, what what they've built along the defensive line that's been. I mean, one of we the have linebackers, I, Wes. We have linebackers now. You haven't drafted one in the first round since the seventies, but still, but still found a way to get some. <laughs> what the what the Eagles have built in the trenches, honestly, on both sides of the football, Kyle. Like ever since two thousand and seventeen, that's the way to give yourself a high floor, you know. You, you, if, if when you're that good on the offensive line, when you're as good on the defensive front as the Eagles have been, yeah, you're going to have some injuries and there might be some exceptions to those rules, like, like there was for, for the Eagles that have been last year or two years ago. When is it two years? Two years. Because last year was first year. Right, right. The last year. Yeah, Doug. yeah. Yeah, the last year, Doug. Like you'll have, exception, you'll have exceptions to that. But that, that is such a good baseline to begin. And, yeah, the, the Steelers, listen, the offensive line has been pretty good in pass protection, so I, I don't think there's need to panic there. But like I said, they're just unable to have any success over the middle of the field. Whether it's Fryermuth, whether it's Claypool lining up in the slot, it just hasn't been there. I think part of that is Matt Canada, the offensive coordinator. It's only his second year as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. He was a lifelong college guy before that. He was at Pitt. He was at LSU. He was at Maryland. And... I just don't know if his offense is built for the National Football League. I'm still willing to give him these other 10 games to figure it out because last year with Ben Roethlisberger, yeah, Ben's a Hall of Famer, and Ben was still good. 
but the things that you want to do with a 39-year-old quarterback are obviously a lot different than you, what you want to do with, with a 24-year-old more mobile quarterback. So I'm still willing to give him a little bit more time before I just absolutely grab the Yoshi hammer and start, <laughs> you know, start pounding him into the dirt. But there's, there's nothing. If you go back and look at the Steelers' passing charts every single week, there's nothing over the middle, Kyle. There's nothing. It's all down the sidelines to Deontay and to Pickens. And those guys have been doing a great job of getting open. You go, you go back, you watch the All-22, Pickens is getting open. Deontay Johnson's getting open. But when the defense knows what's coming, when you've become so predictable, when you're never attacking the middle of the field, when you can't run the football consistently – you're still going to struggle. I don't care if it's Mitch Trubisky. I don't care if it's Kenny Pickett. I don't care if it's Ben Roethlisberger. We've seen these same things play out now since last season. You were able to get the magic of the Hall of Famer who led six fourth-quarter comebacks last year, and you backdoored into the playoffs. But this is, this is reality now. And so I think there has to be some self-scouting there for the Steelers. Obviously, we, we know that that's what they're doing. But after Philly this weekend, you get the bye week, and that's really when you can start to try and implement some substantial change, uh, whether it be to the offensive or defensive units. It, there, there hasn't been enough over the middle. There hasn't been enough from the run game. They've become entirely too predictable. They're only taking three or four downfield shots every single game, and it's been like one completion, two incompletions, and an interception every time that, that, that they do, and that's just not good enough. Like you mentioned, Pat Fryermuth is a very good football player. Uh, I, I, I imagine what he could do in an Andy Reid-style offense. It, it would be ridiculous. It might not be quite Kelsey, but it would be, I think, at least in the same stratosphere. Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, they've had their issues with consistency, but they are certainly talented. There's a reason why Deontay just got paid what he got paid this offseason. There's a reason that Chase Claypool was a top 50 pick in the NFL draft. There's a reason that George Pickens was the 52nd pick in the NFL draft. These guys aren't Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson, but they're not sixth or seventh rounders either. They're second round guys that, that you need production from, and you can see the talent in spurts. They've got to find that consistency. And like I said, I am not a uh, I'm not an X's and O's savant. All right, I think I know a little bit about football, but I, but I didn't play in the league or anything like that. <laughs> but it's real simple. Again, when you cut on the all twenty two, they can't run the football. They're not attacking the middle of the field, and that's just made them entirely too one dimensional, uh, too one dimensional and predictable on offense. And when you are one dimensional, when you get predictable, and you're facing a front seven that features savvy veterans like Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave. Jay uh, Wobble, my dog. <laughs> you know, Josh Sweat, who has really come into his own yeah, over the past couple yeah. of seasons now and really proven why he should have been a first-round pick. Um, and then, you know, you just have linebackers now. Hassan Reddick is now in this Eagles defense. You know, Patrick Johnson. You have uh, yeah. Kaiser White now in the WVU, mix. baby. And then you have a, a three hundred plus pound refrigerator known as Jordan Davis clogging up the middle. Dude. How do it's, you kind of view this? Like you said, league average Steelers offensive line trying to protect Kenny Pickett as much as possible and try to prevent those edge rushers and those guys up the middle from kind of deciphering what this Steelers offense is going to try to accomplish against this Eagles defense. So if I was Matt Canada, if I was Mike Tomlin, if I was you know, employed by the Steelers to make important decisions. Um, I think the game plan is a lot of 12 personnel to start. Okay, get Fryermuth in there, get Zach Gentry, who I'm sure not a lot of people are familiar with him, but I do think he's one of the more well-rounded number two tight ends in the league. Uh, he's in his fifth year out of Michigan for the Steelers. He's really settled in nicely. Uh, you know, he's carved out his role on this team. He's built his body up to kind of be that prototype. 
He can he can catch passes, and he's really good uh, in terms of in terms of run and pass blocking for a tight end. So I would start in heavy personnel. And honestly, Kyle, this might sound crazy, but I, I would come out throwing. I really would. The Steelers, they have all season, they've come out and they've tried to establish the run right away. First down, second down, third and long, like I was telling you about, and punt. I mean, that's that's been the first half for the Steelers almost exclusively every single week. They have, Kyle, since week 10 of last season, the Steelers, that's 15 or 16 games now, they've scored one opening drive touchdown since week 10 of last season. So, again, it's the definition of insanity thing. Like, like if you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. You're, nothing's going to change. I know you don't want to put Kenny Pickett in harm's way in front of what is a, a talented defense, a talented front, and has certainly some guys that can get after the quarterback. But I also don't think you want to come out and and end up in third and seven, third and eight, third and nine consistently like they have been. So I would go 12 personnel. I would go heavy with Gentry and Fryermuth. I would try and work some things across the field, um, you know, that intermittent passing game where they have had some success at times when, when they've actually been in the lead this season. They haven't been playing catch up and, and trying to push the ball down the field. Um, it's tough because you look at that Eagles defense and there's no way to attack it that you're like, oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah, no problem. Um, they're talented in the secondary. They're talented in the middle of the field. They're talented on the defensive line. But I just, if you come out right away and you fail to establish the run like they've done all season, you are really going to put yourself behind the eight ball. You are really all of a sudden going to make things predictable for the, for the Eagles defense. So I, I know it, it's, it's risky. It, it absolutely is because you're going to have Kenny dropping back there early on. You're certainly going to have the opportunity for turnovers and, and negative plays as well too. But I think if I were getting paid to make big decisions for the Steelers, I would start heavy. I'd, I'd run a lot of 12 personnel. I would use Gentry and Fryermuth to chip. I would try and work Claypool over the middle a little bit. I would try and, and work Fryermuth and Gentry as well too. And then hopefully – if you're able to pick up four or five yards consistently on first down doing that, you at least give yourself more manageable um, options going forward. And that is, again, that's something the Steelers have so rarely had this season because they've been so hell-bent on getting Najee going every single week, and it just hasn't worked. They've struggled in the first half, struggled in the first half, scored three points, scored seven points, scored ten points, and then all of a sudden you're playing catch-up again, and it's, it's, it's much more difficult to play that slow, patient game. So... That's where I'm going. I'm going heavy. I'm going 12 personnel, and I'm trying to work that intermittent passing game. Because, again, like I said, Kenny Pickett has been accurate. He, he has excelled in those areas when they've tried that. Get some Fryermuth over the middle. Get some Chase Claypool over the middle. Get some help from Gentry in pass protection. I think that's their, their best chance at, I'm going to use air quotes here, success, at least keeping it manageable and, and keeping the Eagles' offense off the field at the same time as well, too. And then I think the thing – is too now that we've gotten a chance to kind of get a decent amount of sample size from this Eagles team, the Steelers fall behind early. The Eagles love the second quarter. They've scored the most points in the second quarter by any team in NFL history to start a season. Insane. It's ridiculous. I wish they would play every quarter like that. Um, you know, what do you kind of see this Steelers defense trying to do to stop what this Eagles offense has been able to to do not only in the second quarter, but just across the, the board, you know, throughout a game with Jalen Hurts, with the addition of A.J. Brown on the outside, now putting Devontae Smith in better opportunities for him to go get passes. Dallas Goddard still there. Quez Watkins with his speed in the slot. Uh, you know, how do you kind of see the Steelers defense matching up against a, a high-powered Eagles offense? So, a couple things here. I mean, again, everything the Steelers have been built for for a few years now 
is predicated upon getting after the quarterback. And that's a lot harder to do without T.J. Watt, but it also shouldn't be as difficult just down one guy. Uh, They had no sacks of Tua on Sunday night and only one QB pressure and QB hit. That's that's not going to get it done in the National Football League, period. But again, especially when your defense is predicated on getting after the quarterback. They've led the NFL in sacks, Kyle, as a team for the last five years. That dates back to before T.J. Watt was, was on the team. So... They've had success at that in the past. That has not been the case this year. Alex Highsmith still leads the NFL in sacks. He's, you know, kind of been the Batman or the Robin to TJ's Batman, and he's stepped in admirably in the absence of TJ. But other than Alex Highsmith, they haven't been getting it from Cam Hayward and Ogan Joby there in the interior of the offensive line. Malik Reed, who they brought in from Denver to kind of be the, the third rotational piece on the edge there. He's been a, a little inconsistent. They're not blitzing as much from the middle of the defense like they have in the past. Miles Jack, Devin Bush, they're using those guys more in coverage, and I think that that has worked well. So what the Steelers are going to have to do is they're going to have to force turnovers on the back end. I mean, that's right now, that's the only real tangible splash that this defense can provide because especially against an offensive line that's as good, against, as, good as the Eagles is, I, I can't sit here and say, oh, Cam Hayward's got to have a day. He's going up against maybe the best center of this generation, you know. Those guys, those guys both are fantastic. I think those guys should both be in the Hall of Fame one day. But it's not like I'm sitting there a couple weeks ago, like we were against Tampa Bay, and saying, "All right, you know, uh, their center's out hurt and their guard is a fourth round rookie." Cam Hayward's got to eat the interior of that offensive line. That's just not going to be reality this week. One thing that they did very well against the Dolphins was get their hands on footballs. You go back and watch the tape. They could have easily had, you know, Kenny Pickett threw three interceptions against Miami. The Steelers' defense could have easily had three or four takeaways as well, too. Levi Wallace dropped one. Minka Fitzpatrick dropped one. Cam Sutton dropped one. Uh, Miles Jack had one go off of his hands. If the Steelers' defense is going to have success, if they're going to be able to slow down that Eagles' offense, if they, they have to at least hold them to in the 20s, right? If the Eagles score 24, 27, 28 points, something like that, maybe the Steelers have a chance to keep it close. If they start getting into the 30s, 31, 35, 38, it's done. The Steelers just aren't scoring that many points. They're, just, they're not capable of that at this, at this point, uh, at this juncture in the season or, or where they're at kind of in this, uh, this revamped offense. So... The back end of the defense has shown some pension for big plays, for splash plays. Minka's got a few interceptions. Cam Sutton has a few interceptions. They're hopeful they'll get Akello Witherspoon back this week from injury. He was really good down the stretch for the Steelers last year, and he was pretty darn good at the start of this season as well, too, before he got hurt. That's their only hope, is to to try and minimize Mr. 412, as Mike Tomlin called him today, Miles Sanders, the, the Pittsburgh running back from Woodland Hills, right? Um and the Penn State kid, obviously, if, if you can at least minimize him and, and force the Eagles into some predictable, you know, like we were talking about, those third and sevens, third and eights, those predictable passing downs, I think the Steelers' secondary will have an opportunity to do some ball hawking because they've, they've done that so far this season. But that's, that's what it all comes down to for me because I'm not going to sit here and say, you got to pressure the quarterback. They just, they just haven't been able to do that since T.J. Watt went out. Um, and so I think realistically, they got to make some plays on the back end. They got to get their hands on some footballs like they did on Sunday night against Miami, but they got to force those turnovers, not just break up those passes. If you do that, I'm not going to say they're going to win, but I think, they can, <laughs> I think they can at least keep it close. We might get to the fourth quarter and it'll be a one possession game. The Eagles end up winning by 10 or 14, something like that, where the result was never really in doubt, but it was at least, you know, they, they, they had to play well and close it out down the stretch. But right now, 
if they're not getting splashed from their back end on the defense, they don't have a ton going for them. The defense does a good job of not giving up crazy yardage and crazy points, but they're just not getting after the quarterback. In the last couple weeks, they just haven't been forcing the turnovers. I think the latter there is is more likely to change as, as long as T.J. Watt's on the sideline. And I think that's been, I think, one of the more underrated aspects of Jalen Hurts' game this year. He's got two interceptions all season so far through six yeah. games, and one of them came in that disgusting, rainy game against the Jaguars. So, like, he's really done a good job of taking care of the ball, and I think he's really clicked in on his decision-making of, if there's nothing there, I'm going to use my legs now. And I think that's, that's really I think, that's they want open the offense. To too, I think. Yeah. That's I agree. Want, and that's, that's what you want from your running backs now in the year of our Lord 2022. I just said running backs, quarterbacks. That was a Freudian slip. That's what you want from your. That's what you want from your quarterbacks in the modern game. Now, they don't necessarily have to be Lamar Jackson. I mean, that's great if they are. Mm-hmm. I think I think I'm one of the few people in Pittsburgh that actually says good things about Lamar Jackson. But you you want the Jalen Hurts, you want the Josh Allen, the Mahomes, the Herbert. Right? Those guys aren't running quarterbacks. When, it, when the opportunity presents itself, when they need to pull it down and get seven yards, when the defense gives them 12 yards, when it's, a, it's an easy way to extend the drive, that's what you want. And Kenny Pickett has shown that at times. Like I said, he had a couple of those plays against Miami. Uh, threw an inter- threw those two interceptions that he threw at the end of the game against the Dolphins. Uh, the second one, man, on that play that he threw the interception that, that put the game away for, for Miami, I mean, he had all kinds of green grass in front of him. I'm sure he's gone back and looked at that tape and said, man, don't. there's still 20 seconds left in the game. We're in the red zone to get the first down here, and then you can take two or three shots to the end zone. You still got enough time. Those, again, are, are the rookie learning process there. But that's, I think, the, the ideal balance. What the Eagles do with Hurts, like I mentioned, some of those other guys, Allen, Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow as well, too, is like this. They're not running quarterbacks, but if the defense gives them space, they will take advantage of that. Hurts has done that very well, and I think it'll be a, a, a good, uh, you know, someone good for, for Kenny Pickett to watch from the sideline and, and as he continues to, to kind of feel that all out and, and make those decisions himself. And you, you look at that aspect of Hertz's game where he can get around the outside, he can use his legs to make things either with a play extend so he can get the ball down the field or he'll just take off with his legs. How do you kind of view the Steelers, you know, edge defense, trying to contain him and, and limit the amount of rushing opportunities he actually does have? We'll see a good question they they struggled in that regard against Zach Wilson and he's another one that kind of that kind of fits into that mold right not a running quarterback but he's he's not afraid to to pull it down uh Joe Burrow hit them with some some big third down conversions uh albeit the all the way back in week one doing the same thing the last two weeks they haven't had to worry about that as much you, you got Tom Brady I mean what's he like 57 years old at this point he's not going anywhere and then last week Tua Tua had one or two runs but Tua came I, I was shocked by this when I was preparing for Miami last week Tua had one rushing yard on the season going into that game on Sunday Night Football. He, he, he's, just, he's just not as mobile. I mean, he is mobile, but he, he doesn't pull it down to run as often as people think he do. He, he did a couple times against the Steelers and I think caught them sleeping because they were like, all right, this guy's coming back from concussion. He's not going to take those type of risks. And, and he took what the Steelers gave him a couple times. But you know what? It, it really starts with the middle of the defense. Miles Jack and Devin Bush, Kyle, I think have been quietly good this season. Not great. You know, they... They, they still, the Steelers, the, the middle of that defense still hasn't been at the same level since Ryan Shazier sustained that, that tragic injury a few years ago. They've still been looking for that replacement. But Miles Jack's been the, the best thing that they've had going there in the last few years. They cycled through a lot of Joe Schoberts and uh, 
man, Mark Barron's and John Bostick's, a lot of guys trying to, to, to find a replacement for Shazier. They went up and traded into the top 10 to take Devin Bush. He was their first top 10 pick on defense since Rod Woodson all the way back in 1987. Um, Devin Bush has been crushed by Steelers fans over the last few years for a lot of different reasons. He's quietly playing good football this season. Again, not an all-pro or anything like that, but he's quietly playing good football. Miles Jack, quietly playing good football his first year coming to Pittsburgh after, after starting his career there in Jacksonville. Those two, if they can continue what they've shown the last few weeks, I think they'll at least be able to contain Hurts in that regard. But it, but it starts with those guys because, again, I, don't, I could sit here and talk about Cam Hayward and Larry Ogunjobi and Alex Highsmith and how they have to be disruptive and how they have to, to get into the backfield. That's just so hard to do against this Eagles offensive line. I, I expect they will at times, but not consistently, not over four quarters and 60 minutes. So Miles Jack, Devin Bush, they're going to have to command that middle of the field. Uh, they're going to have to take away options in the slot there, and they're obviously going to have to be on their toes watching for Jalen Hurts. It's a, it's a big week for those two. Like I said, quietly, they're not getting a lot of credit in Pittsburgh. I think maybe on Sunday night they finally did because the Steelers, Miami scored on their first three possessions Sunday night. Touchdown, field goal, field goal. And then the Steelers shut them out the rest of the way. And honestly, they weren't, they weren't even – well, they had, sorry, they had one more field goal in the, in the second quarter. That was it. No points in the second half. And in the second half, they honestly they didn't even really get close. They didn't even have a red zone appearance in the second half. So the Steelers' defense, they've been better. And, and Devin Bush and Miles Jack have been a big part of that. And I think they started to get some credit for that second-half performance on Sunday night. But they need to carry that over into Sunday afternoon at Lincoln Financial Field for – Again, for the Steelers to have a chance to hold the Eagles to 24, 27, 28 points, something like that, if, if, if they want to have any shot to win this game, that's, that's got to be where they keep Philly. Because like I said, if, if you guys score 31, 35, 38, something like that, the offense just isn't going to be able to keep up. And you brought up Miles Sanders, who has somehow returned from the dead this season. Before this year, Wes, I don't know if you knew this, he, he hadn't scored a, t- a rushing touchdown or a touchdown in general before this year, since December of 2020. He went all of 2021 wow. without finding the end zone. I did not know that. Yeah. So it's been a, a nice, you know, welcome back to the league, oh. Miles Sanders, this season so far. Uh, you know, he's been very complimentary, I think, to what Jalen Hurts does with his legs. He's not, you know, rushing for 100-plus yards every single week, but he's getting you 79 to 85 yards a week on a good week. Need. How do you kind of see, you know, the middle of this Steelers defense trying to you know, plug up what the Eagles do on the ground game with Miles Sanders rotating in Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, and some of these kind of shiftier, smaller running backs that the Eagles have behind Miles. Yeah, this is where Robert Spillane will uh, will play a role. Um, if if a lot of the listeners right now aren't familiar with that name, I wouldn't blame you. He's he's been the Steelers' third linebacker. Um, he plays a role on this team. He did have that massive hit on Derrick Henry two years ago. People might remember that him and Derrick Henry, the collision at the goal line when that was like. My goodness, that was like two Marvel characters headbutting there down in, <laughs> down in Nashville a couple years ago. He's very good against the run. The problem is he's a liability in coverage. He's one of those old-school downhill thumper linebackers, right? Um, and the Steelers have, to their credit, um, they've got a very good defensive staff. Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator, he's been in the league for a long time. He was He's defensive coordinator uh, for the Lions in the past, for uh, – for Miami as well, too, I believe. Brian Flores, obviously, coming from Miami, head coach, respected defensive mind. They've done well on defense. Like I said, the quarterback pressures haven't been there. 
and the turnovers haven't been there. But in terms of points given up, in terms of yard, I mean, they gave up 16 to Miami last week. They gave up 18 to Tampa Bay the week before that. They're, they're doing a good job in that regard. They're bending but not breaking a lot of times in that regard. But I think you're going to see some three linebacker sets. You'll, you'll certainly see Spillane sub in for Devin Bush a few times. But they've also, against some of these teams that like to run the football, They've used some three wide, uh, three linebacker sets a little bit uh, against, not so much against Miami, but a little bit against Tampa Bay, a uh, little bit against the Jets and, and and what they had going on there with 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 Michael Carter and, and Brees Hall before he sustained that that unfortunate injury. Um, I would suspect to see more of that. But again, then the problem becomes your guys on the outside, your secondary. They better hold up. They better be able to win their one on ones. They better not need a ton of help because you're kind of selling out for the run in that regard. One other thing, too, and I mentioned Cam Hayward's name a few times. He's consistent. He is what he is. He's, he's been, you know, Aaron Donald is, is the king of interior defensive line, and then there's some guys like Fletcher Cox that have, have been right on his tails. I think Cam Hayward is, has been in that next tier. You know, he's a three, three or four-time All-Pro. Larry Ogunjobi, though, who the Steelers brought in, he was obviously with Cincinnati last season, got an injury at the end of the year, was poised to sign a big contract with the Bears in the offseason, if people remember this, and then he failed his physical. So he was a free agent for like another month or so. The Steelers brought him in, they signed him to a one-year deal, and they kind of put him on the shelf for for a few weeks. He has really started to play good football the last two weeks. He was great against Tampa Bay. He was very good against Miami, disruptive in the run game. That, to me, is a big key because Cam Hayward's going to get the attention. Alex Highsmith leads the NFL in sacks right now. The Eagles are going to be paying attention to him. If Larry Ogunjobi can be that third dude, that's where I think the Steelers, if he can win some one-on-ones, they can have some success in limiting Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, those guys, and hopefully forcing you know Jalen Hurts to try and maybe do a little bit more than he should. It, it all starts there, though, for me. It starts with those linebackers in the middle of the defense and Larry Ogunjobi building on what he's done the last two weeks when he's really started to look healthy again. Uh, I'm not going to say that if those things go well, the Steelers are going to win, but it would at least give them a chance to. And that's and that's where they're at right now when you're facing the lone undefeated team in the NFL on the road. By the way, Kyle, you know the last time the Steelers won in Philadelphia? Ooh, I believe. Trick question. They haven't. No, they have. 1965. Wow. Oh, for their last nine. So it's, you know, it's been 60 years. It's not like they're going there every year, every other year, or something like that. I guess I used trick question wrong there. I, I did kind of, I, I messed you up on that one. I apologize. But 1965 is the last time the Steelers won in Philadelphia. So wow. you never have success there. You're playing an Eagles team that is just humming. That is, that is, if not the best in the NFL, certainly top two or three. And is uh, really good on offense and defense. Really balanced with, with playmakers and, and dudes everywhere. And well coached as well, too. So... It's a tall task for the Steelers this week. Even if all these things that we've laid out here go right for Pittsburgh, they could still end up losing by a touchdown or something like that. Um, But on defense up front, I think it starts with Larry Ogunjobi building on what we've seen the last two weeks, and hopefully you you get solid performances out of your linebackers as well. And obviously you've been in Philadelphia for big games, and, uh, you know, just the vibes in Philly right now, being that this game is at the link, how much of that, you know, positive vibe energy from the Phillies, the Union, the Flyers hot start, you know, the Sixers, everybody manifesting, Doc Rivers getting fired, uh, and then the Eagles being undefeated. How much of that do you think is going to kind of be an aura in that stadium and potentially affect the Steelers a little bit with just how 
on cloud nine Philadelphia fans are right now. I'm expecting it to be electric in there. I mean, I think we would we'd both be reaching if we said Steelers Eagles was a rivalry. But it's a it's a game that both fan bases look forward to because they only play every couple years. There's a lot of families like my own where you know you got Steelers fans, you got Eagles fans. There's a lot of coworker situations where you know people from the eastern part of the state live and work in the western part of the state. People in the western part of the state live and work in the eastern part of the state. Um, there's a lot of crossover there uh, amongst these fan bases and families and workplaces and friends. It's one that 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 Philly always gets up for. I mean, here in Pittsburgh as well, too, but but certainly there at the link. And then, yeah, when you just combine what feels like an unstoppable force in Philadelphia right now, I'm sure, that stuff that can, it really can. It can permeate everywhere. So, yeah, that place will be rocking. There won't be any of the, uh, you know, it's, it's funny. Like, when I first got out to Philadelphia in 2016, when I got the job with WIP and, and, and moved out to Philly, it was like, like a lot of people called, called it Negadelphia, right? Because it was like, it was always doom and gloom. It was always, we're going to find a way to blow this. It was always our team stink. You know, we're, we, we look at Boston winning all these championships and look at Pittsburgh having success with the Steelers and the Penguins, right? It, it was, I heard that term a lot, Negadelphia. It seems like that's flipped. And as it should, the Phillies are in the World Series. The Eagles are on a roll. The Union are on a roll. Yeah, I know it's been a slow start for the Sixers, but I think they're going to be just fine. They're a good team. The Flyers may be the opposite. It's been a hot start for them. I don't know if I have much faith in that playing out for the entire year. Um, but that that stuff does. It, it lifts a city, man. It, it really does. And I that can permeate throughout all your sports teams. You go from maybe hoping for the best but expecting the worst to expecting the best, right? And 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 that that will that place will be rocking. It certainly will, especially if things go the Phillies' way Friday or Saturday night. That place will be rocking on Sunday for. The Steelers, they've played in a few, you know, a few hostile environments this season. They went up to Buffalo. We went up to Buffalo. I tell you, man, it was nuts up. It's the closest thing I've ever seen to going to a big-time college football game in the NFL. It was like going to State College for a big game. It was like going to Morgantown for a big game. It was nuts. People were standing and screaming and chanting the whole game up there in Buffalo. Uh, they played in a raucous atmosphere in Cincinnati week one. You know, the Bengals coming off that AFC championship and, and Super Bowl appearance. So they've had some experience with that this season. But this this could be different. It, it certainly could, particularly, like I said, they've, they've got a bad habit of falling behind early in games. The Eagles are dynamite in the second quarter. If Philly gets out to a two- or three-possession lead in the second quarter, that place will be rocking. And to add to all of this, too, I mean, Kenny Pickett's from New Jersey. He's said it before. I'm sure he'll probably say it again. He'll speak on Wednesday of this week. That's when Kenny Pickett, when the Steelers' starting quarterback speaks, is on Wednesday every week, and that is obviously Kenny Pickett now. He's he's talked before about how he was an Eagles fan growing up, um, about how he cried when the Eagles lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots in 2004, 2005, whenever that was. He has pictures with Donovan McNabb from him growing up. You know, New Jersey boy, Eagles fan growing up. Um, how does that play into this as well, too? Does he go cool, calm, and collected in there? And you know what? I'm gonna. Uh, this is the team I used to root for, and this is the the town I considered. You know, my hometown. Being a being a Jersey boy. Uh, I'm going to go in there and put on a show, or does maybe he try and do a little bit too much? Those are, those are all the things I'll be looking for, but I do think you're spot on. I don't think that's reaching too much. When, when it feels like every team in, in your city has things moving in the right direction, that's just there's a confidence, there's an electricity that just permeates the fan base, and I certainly expect that to show its, uh, to show its midnight green and black head uh, around 1 o'clock on Sunday at the link. And it wouldn't shock me. I don't know if you saw the pictures during, uh, I want to say it was the Braves series 
when the Phillies were playing, sold out Citizens Bank Park. They elevated standing room. There were three guys in two of those games standing on the roof of uh-huh. Citizens Bank Park. I'll have to find the picture wow, and send it to awesome. you. That's I awesome. was blown away. Uh, awesome. So it wouldn't shock me if there's uh, some guys on the roof at the link on Sunday at 1 I just o'clock. Need a, I need to hit that John sign in the stand <laughs> somewhere. Harper for governor. Um, Harper for governor. Oh, might be, might be better than the candidates we got coming <laughs> Now, Wes, you, you've been on the show since we implemented the the fun post-breakdown uh, question, and you being a, the massive Star Wars fan like myself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw two people at you. You tell me how you would cast them in the galaxy far, far away. Okay. First off, I got to go, where would you put Mike Tomlin? Who? Qui-Gon Jinn? I like that. <laughs> um, Mike Tomlin, listen, right now, there, like I, I think we, we started and talked about this a, a little bit here when we started recording, but there's a lot of people right now who, I don't, I don't know if out on Mike Tomlin is the right way to put it, but he has won three playoff games in the last 10 years. You know, he's never had the losing season. He's won a Super Bowl. He's been to two. He's been the model of consistency. I think everybody, you know, should have expected a step back this year. Obviously, Steelers fans love to repeat that. The standard is the standard mantra um, that, 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 you know, that Mike Tomlin created when he, when he first got here 15, 16 years ago. But I think he's a Qui-Gon Jinn. He's maybe not the most powerful, right? If you're, making, if you're making a list of your top five, top ten coaches, maybe he's not there right now, and that's okay. But I think he's such a steadying influence. He has he has had so much success underneath him, and so for me, yeah, I don't I didn't know if you were looking for like an exact person to person. Oh yeah, however you would want to. Okay, okay, yeah, that to me is you know he's he's getting a little bit older now. He's not young Mike Tomlin anymore. Um, He's he's getting closer to sixty years old now. Um, I think there's some Qui Gon Jinn there. He is. A proven track record, right? But some people are, you know, it's like Qui-Gon going before the Jedi Council, and he's saying Obi-Wan's ready, and they're all like, eh, I'm not sure, you know, is is Kenny Pickett ready? Eh, I'm not sure. Uh, so I'll go with Qui-Gon Jinn, proven track record, some questions lately, but I think still well-respected. Dare I say Qui-Tom Lin? Qui-Tom Lin. <laughs> Someone on the Photoshops has got to get on that. Uh, the next one I'm going to give you, uh, I'll go Steelers player here, TJ Watt. Darth Maul. I like that. An absolute wrecking force when he's not cut in half. (laughs) When he doesn't have spider legs. (laughs) That was mean. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, TJ. I shouldn't have said that. But he listen, he is when he's on the football field, he is without a doubt one of the best one or two defensive play. I mean, he was defensive player of the year last year. He was runner up the year before that. Um, if it wasn't for Aaron Donald, the best defensive player of this generation, uh, he would probably have more than one DPOY by now. He also, though, hasn't been available as much as you would like. Uh, he has now, dating back to last season, missed 10 games for the Steelers over this year and last year. There's a reason why that Kyle, they are one and nine in those games. I mean, that's, that's his impact. Um, but you, you need him out there. You need him available. So that was the first one that came to mind. Darth Maul. I mean, he's a wrecking crew out there as long as he's healthy. 
and I feel like Star Wars fans want Darth Maul more available. In <laughs> there you go. That's it. We're all like, oh, come on. Where's more Darth Maul? Wait, we got a little bit in the Clone Wars. All right, you teased us with it at the end of Solo. Give us some Darth Maul. Give us Give some us Darth a Maul. Little. That's where all these all all these Steeler fans are like, could TJ Watt be back this week against Philly? Please tell me he's coming back this week against Philly. I know you got the bye week afterwards, all right? And yeah, you want to keep him out. You could keep him for a couple more weeks, but no, come on, bring him back against Philly. Get him out there. Uh, Mike Tomlin shut that one down quickly in his Tuesday press conference. Uh, I guess he didn't completely put a put a lightsaber through it, uh, but he did say it was highly unlikely that we would hear anything about T.J. Watt this week. So much like Darth Maul, we're all still waiting. Last one, I'm going to go to your your WVU roots. Okay, where are you putting Bob Huggins? <sighs> Han Solo. Ooh. But with a bigger gut. I mean, <laughs> that's if Han Solo like ran really hard into Chewbacca and they became one human or one creature. <laughs> I could have said if we were just going with the weight, I could have gone with Jabba the Hutt. But I'm not doing that to Huggy. All right, Han Solo. Han Solo also likes to you know likes to drink a little bit. Likes to likes to uh, to hit the bars from time to time. There's been some controversy around him. Did he shoot first? Did he not shoot first? Bob Huggins, one of those guys that I think most people like, but there's still some people that think he's overrated. Like I think some people would say about Han Solo, maybe he's a little. Uh, you know, maybe his status in the Star Wars universe is shouldn't be on the same level as some of these people. But w- but we all love him so. Yeah, that was the that was the first one that came to mind there. There was. Maybe some Boba like Fett that. vibes too, but I'll, I'll go. I'll go with Han Solo. I like that. I just I'm H- thinking of the can. Huggy I'm Solo. Of the bar. Huggy. <laughs> Huggy. So- Qui Gon Tomlin. <laughs> T.J. Maul. <laughs> and Han Huggy. Print the shirts. <laughs> those would sell the strip district down in Pittsburgh, like the market district down there, where they sell all those five dollar T-shirts. Those would go like hotcakes, baby. Get them rolling, Wes. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show, man. And. uh I'm looking forward to this weekend. I know you're going to be in town enjoying uh, Steelers Eagles and you know getting a chance to to come back to Philly. But let everybody know where they can follow you. Check out everything you're doing with the Steelers, with West Virginia, and everything else in between. Yeah, so I am. I'm all over the place. Um, I'm on Twitter at Wesley Euler. Uh, I do a show at noon every day on the on iHeartRadio, the Steelers Radio Network, uh, nine seventy ESPN, uh, with Arthur Motes, who's a former Bills and Steelers linebacker. So we're on at noon every single day. Uh, you can catch me there. We everything we do is in in podcast form. Steelers Blitz. I know it's it's corny, but it's hilarious. We've embraced it now through five years. That's the title of the show. The Steelers named it for us, and we ran with it, baby. Uh, Steelers Blitz in podcast form again, live at noon uh, as well too. And uh, if you are a tortured mountaineer soul like me. In the Gun podcast is the, the the WVU show. Well, In the Gun is the show, and again, in podcast form, uh, that I do with Owen Schmidt, who's a former Philadelphia Eagle, uh, was the fullback during the, the Pat White and Steve Slayton and Rich Rodriguez days there at WVU, and Jed Drenning, who's a sideline reporter and a former WVU quarterback as well, too. Um, so if you're if you're looking for a, uh, for a Mountaineer fix from my initials are WVU, I went to college there, I'm a season ticket holder, I... Like I my my professional sports fandom has waned a little bit just from working in the industry. Like I still love the Steelers, I still love the Penguins, I still wish the Pirates were a real MLB franchise. Uh, but WVU is like my still one. Like stand up and scream and yell at the TV and bang beers off of my face. So if you are a tortured Mountaineer soul going through it right now, like I am, uh, in the gun is is where you can find all of my uh, my WVU ramblings as well too. 
check it all out. Wes is the best in the game, and uh, brother, I'm sure Sunday is going to be electric. I'm looking forward to. It. I'm sure Me we'll too. be texting about everything I going on. I can't on. wait for Saturday night. Yeah, it's gonna be your birthday. Yep. Phil's game two of the World Series. Um, we're scheduled to land at like four four fifteen. You know, hopefully be to the hotel before five. And I'm gonna drop my stuff, and I'm finding a watering hole somewhere to to watch the Phillies World Series. I can't wait. Gonna be electric. It's going to be wild. Looking forward to it. And, uh, brother, keep doing what you're doing because you're crushing you the too, game. It's been, it's been fun to watch uh, watch where we've all gone here, where you and I have gone in the last five years. And uh, thank you. I appreciate the kind words. And, and you as well, too. Reciprocate it. Keep it up. Keep killing it. What did I tell you guys? The Wes Euler Power Hour here on Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm fired up for this game. Crazy to think that the last time the Steelers beat the Eagles in Philly was 1965 uh, and you would think Eagles and Steelers would be a rivalry uh, each and every year it'd be a game that's you know on the schedule in-state rivals but it's not that way let me know in the comment section if you guys think Eagles Steelers should be a rivalry if it should be something that's played each and every year um, because I, I think the NFL's missing the mark on that one almost every other single in-state uh you know matchup there's some sort of rivalry it needs to be a thing these two teams are too historic between one another having merged during wartime um i think eagle steelers needs to be a rivalry it needs to be played every single year uh so roger get on that and uh let's make that happen but big ups big shout out to my boy my friend the man the myth the legend wesley euler uh, make sure you guys are following him on Twitter. He's one of the best follows out there. Um, doing a fantastic job covering the Steelers. And uh, it's always fun. I, I always love talking to Wes. And uh, these these episodes are the things that, you know, when the Eagles calendar comes out and I see the Steelers, you circle it on the calendar because you know Wes is coming back on the podcast. So shout out to my homie, Wes Euler. And uh, make sure you guys are following us on the socials at Underground PHI on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let me know how you feel about Eagle Steelers going into this matchup. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. Let me know how you're feeling about this one, but subscribe to the channel. We're on that road to 1K gauntlet challenge. Uh, we're trying to hit 1,000 subscribers. It's our first big milestone we need for the channel. Um, so make sure you subscribe, smash that like button, ring the bell icon, comment down below your expectations for Eagle Steelers. And we're going to enjoy an undefeated football team once again coming off a bye. And uh, it's going to be a great week here in Philadelphia. Let's do the damn thing. Big, big shout out again to my boy Wes Euler. Uh, but this has been another episode of Eagles Enemies presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your boy KB. And until next week, not even, short week, Houston Texans, Thursday. It's Houston Hate Week. I'll see you guys later this week for Eagles Enemies against the Houston Texans. But until then, it's always Go Birds! Go Birds!